Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. In 1996, a 19-year-old college student left an off-campus party in San Luis Obispo, California, and walked home to her dorm. But she was never seen again, and no remains have been found. This is the story of Kristen Smart. Okay, Jose, so I don't know, are you familiar with the name Kristen Smart? No, I'm not. Okay, so she disappeared when I was 11 years old. And I remember hearing about this case back then, but I never really found out, you know, what came about if they ever found her or, you know, what was the end result. Right. And it wasn't until recent developments in the case that actually brought it back to light that I finally realized that her case was never closed. It was never a cold case, but it was never actually closed either. And her body was never recovered. So I've been obsessing about it. And I listened to this really good podcast, Your Own Backyard. And they focused on her case. The host of the podcast is Chris Lambert. And he does an amazing job at covering it. So this is kind of just going to be the cliff notes. Like I said, I've just been obsessing over it just because of recent developments. Oh, I know. I've been kind of hearing you do your investigation, your research, and the little tiny bit that you've shared with me, it's got me really excited to hear the story. Right. So let me let me start off by telling you a little bit about Kristen, okay? So Kristen was the oldest of three kids, and she was actually born in Augsburg, Germany, where her parents were teaching the children of military personnel. So Kristen was known to have an adventurous spirit and Kristen believed in her dreams and always seemed to know the right steps needed to reach them. Summers were Kristen's favorite and she was always drawn to something new. She spent the summer of her sophomore year in high school just outside London with family friends going to school and then the following summer She wanted to become fluent in Spanish, and she was actually an exchange student in Venezuela. Wow. Yeah, so she she just loved adventure. She loved to travel. And the summer before her senior year, she was basking in the sun and perfecting her bike riding skills in the honors program at UCSB. Santa Barbara? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Nice. So Kristen was a freshman architecture major at... Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, California, in 1996, when she vanished. On May 24th, 1996, at around 8.30 p.m., Kristen and her three female friends left the Cal Poly dorms in search of an off-campus party to attend that Memorial Day weekend. Now, Kristen noticed a male friend that had driven by in a pickup truck and then flagged him down to drive her and her friends around. So Kristen and her friends and the driver drove around the area for a while in search of a party. However, they didn't find any that actually interests them. Okay. Okay. But at around 11 p.m., Kristen remembered that she had heard of a birthday party at Fraternity Row just off campus. And she suggested they headed to that party. Now, her friends weren't interested in it, but she was. So they decided to drop her off a few blocks from the location. Then Kristen's friends headed back to campus with the driver of the truck. So she was just dropped there by herself? By herself. But from 
my research that I did, it seemed like this was normal for Kristen. She was a very confident person. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like she didn't know absolutely anybody from that party. It seemed like she did know a few people. So it wasn't like she was just walking into a frat party where she didn't know anybody. Yeah, I mean, it gets to make sense, right? If you're spending, you know, a summer in Venezuela to mm-hmm. learn Spanish, you know, right. <laughs> I'm sure you feel comfortable in <laughs> pretty much any situation. Of, right. That has to give As you some As a kid, confidence. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kristen left the off-campus party and headed to her dorm between 1.30 and 2 a.m. on May 25th. Okay. Okay. So Kristen apparently was under the influence of alcohol. And to me, it seemed like maybe it was alcohol and drugs. Okay. Why do you say that? Well, because she was seen passed out on the lawn and someone had to help her up since she was having trouble walking on her own. Oh, man. And from my research that I did and from that podcast I listened to, Mm -hmm. it seemed like Kristen wasn't a big drinker. So... It wasn't like her to be this drunk. Yeah, I see. You know, so it to me, it just kind of seems like, hmm, maybe somebody slipped something in her drink for her to be completely passed out, right. you know? So at around 2 a.m., the party ended and college students started to leave the party, including Kristen. Now, she was apparently so drunk that, like I said, she was passed out in the neighbor's front yard. And there was a friend, Cheryl Anderson and Tim Davis that had just left the party and they were the ones that noticed her passed out. Mm -hmm. So they helped her to her feet and they walked back to campus with her. And soon after they started walking, they were approached by another fellow student and guest of the party named Paul Flores. Now, he offered to help them walk Kristen back to campus and he even allowed her to kind of like lean on him for support since she was still apparently very tipsy. Hmm, So Tim had said goodnight to Cheryl, Kristen and Paul and let them head back to the dorms together. Eventually they arrived near the dorms and Cheryl lived further down the block from Kristen. So she happened to ask Paul if Paul could make sure that Kristen got to her dorm safely. And Paul ended up agreeing And he agreed to walk her to her dorm and he said goodnight to Cheryl. Now, Kristen has been missing ever since. Okay, so since the early hours of May 25th, an extensive search of campus turned up a few clues. So Paul was the last person to see her and he's considered to be a person of interest in the case. Right, and that makes sense. Real quick question, does... Mm -hmm. Did Paul know Cheryl and Tim? Like, were they all friends or just they kind of just saw each other at the party? So it seemed like Paul was kind of quiet. He didn't Mm -hmm. seem to have a lot of friends. And from everything that I learned during my research, it seemed like Paul was just that kind of guy that just always showed up. Like he was always there. Nobody really invited him, but he always showed up and he tended to be kind of quiet. But they and knew they him. Were, it sounds like they knew him, though. Okay. Right. Yeah. So he wasn't a complete stranger to right. them. Okay. Right. Since Paul was considered a person of interest in this case, Paul claimed that they parted ways that night, each going to their own dorm rooms. Okay. So according to one of Kristen's friends, Paul was trying to flirt with Kristen at the party. And apparently he had even fallen on her at one point. Okay. However, Paul told a campus investigator that he didn't interact with Kristen until he walked her home that night. 
Hmm, that's odd. Mm-hmm. So something else that's interesting is that Paul was noticed with a black eye the following days after Kristen's disappearance. Really? Yeah, not only did he have a black eye, but he seemed to have scratches on his hands and on his knees. Somebody said that the scrapes on his knees kind of look like, like rug burn. Wow. Yeah, so he ended up telling investigators several different stories about how he ended up receiving those wounds. So first he told investigators that he had gotten the black eye and the scrapes on his knees and his hands while playing basketball with a friend. So obviously, of course, investigators questioned that particular friend that he said he was playing basketball with. But that friend said that Paul showed up with the black eye and that he had not received it while they were playing basketball. Hmm, that's odd. Right. So now when Paul was confronted with this lie, Paul changed his story and told police he had hurt his eye while working on a truck at his father's home. And he allegedly told another friend that he didn't know how he had gotten the black eye and that he had just woken up with it. So now there's three different stories that Paul is saying how he got this black eye, but nobody really knows. Because he just keeps on changing it. Yeah. So, Kristen was last seen walking north on Granite Avenue with Paul towards her dorm. And Kristen has never been heard from again. She was not carrying any identification, cash, or personal belongings at the time she vanished. When questioned about Kristen's whereabouts by authorities, Paul claimed that he continued walking to his own dorm and last saw Kristen on Granite Avenue shortly after her friend left. But investigators found damning evidence that Paul may have not been telling them the truth. And I will tell you what investigators found and how Scott Peterson may or may have not been involved in Kristen's disappearance after this commercial break. That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wine month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com, forward slash support the show and click on the wine of the club month link and sign up we will earn a commission you can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code holiday 15 to get 15 dollars off any four month club or you can use promo code holiday 20 for 20 dollars off any six months club which sounds like a win-win to me you get to stay home during this covid19 pandemic quarantine by yourself and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. 
Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. Okay, so on the morning of May 25th, Kristen's roommate actually contacted campus police since she was worried because Kristen hadn't returned to her dorm. So the roommate had been at the room the night Kristen was last seen right. and never saw her get back home. So her clothing, her toiletries, cosmetics, medicines, and identification were left undisturbed in her room. So there's no evidence that she ever made it back. And that's what caused the roommate to worry. So authorities refused to take the missing persons report for four days because Kristen disappeared on Memorial Day weekend. And according to them, college students often take impromptu vacations at that time. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, if people are telling you that's like odd, obviously. Especially the roommate, right? Yeah. Even if, I mean, why would you take an impromptu vacation without even like your ID or anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Well, okay. So Kristen's parents have criticized authorities for not getting involved in the case sooner, saying they probably lost value, valuable evidence because of it, which I believe is true because it wasn't until four days after right. that it- they took the missing persons reports. So police admit that the delay hampered the investigation due to campus police failing to act appropriately and not contacting local law enforcement agencies in a timely manner. Yeah, so this was campus police that failed to do anything about it. For four days, yes. And during my research, I did read that campus police did reach out to Kristen's parents to see if maybe Kristen had gone home. Yeah. And the mom said no. And that's when campus police just told Kristen's mom, oh, you know, don't worry about it. I'm sure she's fine. They usually tend to go, you know, impromptu vacations yeah. at this time. So. Can't imagine the parents at that point. Like, I don't know if this was. This is a while ago. Probably this was in 1996. Really too many people had cell phones. So. Yeah, that's got to be hard. So the one good thing that did come out of this is the Kristen Smart Campus Safety Act in 1998 now requires all college campus police to contact and connect with local law enforcement agencies for any case of violence against a student. So now because of that and because there was that delay that now this act came into place in 1998. Well, that's good because I mean, not to say anything about campus police. They're obviously trained. I'm assuming maybe similar to mm-hmm. the police department, maybe the same, but still more eyes on it is obviously important. Right, As we Something know now, especially yeah. when somebody vanishes, you know, the first 24 hours are the most crucial. Right. So you never told me about Scott Peterson. Okay. So apparently after Lacey Peterson went missing and, you know, detectives were working on Kristen's case. Well, that's where they ended up finding out the connection between Scott Peterson and Kristen Smart. But the only connection that they had was that they both had attended Cal Poly. So apparently detectives did question Scott Peterson after Lacey went missing to see if he had any connection or if he even knew of Kristen. But it turns out that no. 
So it was just because they went to the same school. It was just because they went to the same school that they were thinking, oh, wait. Yeah, but it turns out that they didn't. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I haven't even gotten asked about it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, right? But yeah, it turns out that Scott didn't have anything to do with it. He denied it. And then eventually, obviously, he was ruled out as a suspect. Right. So Paul ended up dropping out of Cal Poly shortly after Kristen disappeared. Okay. So he had been getting poor grades and was in danger of failing out of the university. And Paul had also gotten arrested for driving while intoxicated and lost his driver's license. Oh, man. Yeah. He removed his belongings from his dorm room at Santa Lucia Hall prior to a search of the premises by law enforcement. So cadaver dogs utilized by authorities led them to Paul's mattress in his former room during the investigation, but no additional evidence was located at the time. Really? Yeah. But I did read also in my research that... This didn't happen until after the students had all gone back home for the summer, for summer break, meaning janitors had already cleared out the dorms. They had already cleaned. Yeah. So there was nothing there. His belongings weren't there anymore. I claim these the cadaver dogs still led him there, though. Yeah. And it was to a corner of the mattress that belonged to him. So investigators repeatedly questioned Paul regarding Kristen's case since 1996, but he has invoked his Fifth Amendment rights and refuses to answer any questions. So what they did do is they offered him a plea deal where he could plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter and reveal the location of Kristen's body in exchange for a six year prison term. But he refused to take the offer. So soon after Kristen's disappearance, a sheriff's search party combed remote parts of the Cal Poly campus on horseback and helicopters that were used to canvas the area. And missing person posters and billboards offering rewards appeared along roads and in other public places. And Kristen's acquaintances were interviewed as well. And they described dropping her off at the party at an unofficial fraternity house. And people that were there at the party, they were the ones that said that when it was over, she needed support to walk. And that's when she was seen being walked home by Paul Flores. Okay, so all of everybody's saying Paul was the one that the last one to see her. He was the one that was walking her to her dorm. Yeah. So the Smart family ended up filing a $40 million wrongful death lawsuit against Paul Flores in 1997. Wow. He was not immediately charged criminally in the case. So, once again, he refused to answer questions during the deposition in November of 1997, citing his Fifth Amendment. So, unfortunately, the Smart family ended up declaring Kristen legally dead in 2002. But the search and the investigation continued. And in 2004, the family sought donations to keep billboards up along highway 101 to maintain awareness of the case Mm -hmm. now cadaver dogs trained to detect human decomposition were deployed by the fbi to search on and near the cal poly campus and one of those areas was a hillside above the campus and in 2016 earth movers carved into the soil there but didn't turn up with any remains Hmm. now The sheriff's office investigators and forensic specialists assigned to Kristen's case executed 
18 search warrants, submitted 37 items that were collected in early days of the case for DNA testing, and they recovered 140 new items of evidence and conducted 91 interviews from 2011 to 2020. Wow, that's that's why I guess you're saying it's not a cold case. It's not, still yeah, that's why they were saying looking into it. Even though nobody was really hearing anything about the case, the only thing that everybody knew was that Paul Flores was the main suspect, that Kristen had attended a party, Paul was the one that was last seen walking her to her dorm, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And nobody was really saying anything else as far as what you know, what steps in the investigations investigators were taking nobody was saying if anybody was being questioned or if there was any warrants out yeah until to me i feel like it wasn't until recently so authorities began to describe paul flores as the prime suspect in the case and two trucks that belonged to the members of the flores family in 1996 were taken as evidence So in February of 2020, the authorities executed search warrants at four locations in California and in Washington state and recovered what the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office described as items of interest. So Hmm. one location was the Los Angeles home of Paul Flores. And in March of this year, Investigators used cadaver dogs and ground-penetrating radar to search Ruben Flores' property in Arroyo Grande, California. Now, Ruben Flores is the father of Paul Flores, okay? Mm, I see, okay. So, Paul Flores was taken into custody in his home in the San Pedro section of Los Angeles on April 13, 2021. Like, uh, two weeks ago? Yes. Wow. And he was actually charged with with murder. Now get this. Ruben Flores, which he is now 80 years old, was also arrested at his home on the same day. And he was charged with being an accessory after the fact. Really? So now they're thinking that Paul did kill Kristen and Ruben helped Paul dispose of the body. Right. So that's really interesting. I wonder if. I don't know if if there's any information coming out because it's so soon. It's but the, it's very the recent. It's a very recent. There's the trucks. They're not saying what evidence they are co- they collected from either the houses or the trucks. They're just saying that it was compelling evidence and that they now can build a case against Paul and Ruben. Those two trucks were was one did one belong to Ruben? One of them belonged to Ruben and the other one belonged to Paul Flores. And again, those were taken like recently. Yes. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because like I said, nobody has really heard anything as to okay, well you know, what was it that you found? What's the evidence? Is it DNA? Is it nobody really knows? Right. Okay. So on April nineteenth, father and son each pleaded not guilty. Okay, so the day after the arrest, the San Luis Obispo County District Attorney said that Paul Flores had caused the death of Kristen Smart while in commission of or attempted rape. So they're saying that Paul killed Kristen and apparently they don't know if she was raped or if it was in the act of rape. 
it's still unknown. I mean, how do they draw that conclusion if they haven't... Nobody's saying how, why, what do they have that is making them believe that. So I guess that's the interesting part. Is like, What exactly do they have to come to that conclusion that it could have been potentially rape and that they have enough to charge Ruben, the dad, mm-hmm. when up to now he wasn't even in question, it seems like, right? right? It was really just Paul and they didn't have anything really to get him. Well, in that podcast, Your Own Backyard, they did say that Paul Flores was always kind of described as that guy that would hit on girls or flirt with girls, but in an aggressive way. Mm-hmm. And he was known to be like that kind of creepy guy. So it seemed like I read in my research that maybe he could also be responsible for another rape that had happened after Kristen's death. But really? that's, I couldn't find any. It seems like he has never been charged for it. I don't yeah. know if that's still an open case, but it seems like this happens to be, or they think that rape might be a pattern with him, which is why maybe they're thinking that, you know, he could have caused Kristen's death while in commission of or attempt or attempted rape. Right. So Ruben Flores helped to hide her remains and investigators believe that Kristen's body had been moved recently. So neighbors were suspicious when Paul Flores, who had left his backyard overgrown with weeds for years, began removing the brush in 2019. So Hmm. Paul Flores dug a large hole in a rear corner of his backyard after he cleared the brush. And some weeks later and shortly before midnight, one of the neighbors saw Paul Flores take something wrapped in a black blanket from the truck of his car. So the neighbor watched as he carried the object to his backyard and put it in the hole. You've got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. So wait, so he literally cleared the brush in the small section Mm -hmm. of this overgrown yard, Mm -hmm. dug a hole. Mm -hmm. And one of the properties, because remember, there's there's about four properties that the family owns. So this is in one of the properties. So after he puts in in the hole, he was seen cover the hole with plywood. And the next day, the neighbor asked Paul what he had put in the hole. And he said that it was his dead dog. But the neighbor doesn't recall him ever having a dog. He's an idiot. (laughs) After that, Paul built a roughly 10 by 15 foot wood frame around the hole and placed rebar metal reinforcement bars inside. Now, Paul then rented a concrete truck and filled the frame. And once the concrete was set, Paul laid red bricks over the concrete, which was weird to the neighbors because, you know, you don't put bricks over bricks. Yeah, that's really weird. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. So, like I said, apparently the Flores family owned different properties, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the properties, they ended up renting it out, I think it was in 1997. So, after Kristen went missing, um, they ended up renting out a property. And the new tenant that was there ended up finding an earring in the property. And after she saw Kristen's billboard... And she noticed the necklace that Kristen is wearing in the billboard. She thought, you know what? This earring kind of looks like the set of that necklace. You're kidding. So 
somehow along the way, they ended up turning over the earring to the sheriff's department, but they ended up losing the earring. And apparently the earring had what seemed to be a partial bloody fingerprint. You're kidding. But nobody ever got to photograph it or really process that as evidence because it was somehow lost. So there is a lot of things like this in this particular case that just kind of went wrong. And nobody really has an explanation as to what happened. So maybe that's what took so long for them to finally make an arrest. I mean, I don't know. But it seems like now they finally have enough evidence to build a a case against both Paul and Ruben. So on April 13th of this year, Paul and Ruben Flores were arrested in connection to Kristen's disappearance. And Paul was charged with first degree murder while Ruben was charged with being an accessory. Both have pleaded not guilty. And both Ruben and Paul are scheduled to appear for a preliminary hearing on May 17th and again on June 21st. So we're going to have to keep an eye out for that to see. But I know that the Flores family has from the very beginning said that they had no involvement in Kristen's disappearance. But it seems like, you know, there is a lot of stuff that points over to Paul. If there's enough to arrest them, I mean, they're, I just can't wait to hear what the evidence is. I'm, as, I'm assuming that they have very damning evidence because, again, Kristen disappeared in 1996. It seemed like there was absolutely no evidence. There's no right. body. There's no weapon. So for them not to make an arrest still without a body or a weapon, they must have very damning Yeah, because otherwise they would have done it way sooner. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, very interesting. Investigators stated that they uncovered evidence directly connected to Kristen's death during their search of Ruben's property. So this is one of the properties that they search and they believe that Paul killed Kristen while attempting to rape her in her dorm room. So they also believe that her remains were buried in Ruben's backyard at one point. Sadly though, they haven't yet been recovered. But hopefully, like I said, the family will get closure soon seeing how they already have the preliminary hearings on May 17th. And hopefully we'll all get to know what really happened to Kristen. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to hear what exactly happened. And I really hope they're able to truly catch the guy, if, if it really is him. If it really is him, right. The smart family has the right to know and have that closure, even though they already legally... Um, declared Kristen dead. You know, they still have that right to know what exactly happened to her. Right. And it looks to me like as of right now, Paul is the only one that might have those answers. But I guess we're just going to have to wait and see on May 17th to see what type of evidence they had or they have. Right. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast True Crime Weekly. And please don't forget to support the show by going to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.